from the Orange County Fire Authority. This is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, well, welcome back to OCFA's Pass Along Podcast. This episode is a part one of a two-parter. That's it's a panel discussion with some of our IT folks talking about things that are germane to uh, IT, but also have relevant uh, connectivity to folks uh, and professional staff and, and certainly in operations. Things like cybersecurity, network speeds, uh, the new radios, and, and even the PCs at the station. So uh, this first episode focuses mainly on the new computers as well, cybersecurity. Uh, go ahead and take a listen. Yeah, but we, we all do it at home, right? I mean, if you're banking at home, they've got some stronger than, than what we're running. So we're, we're, we're used to it. it it's, it's kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of people are kind of first complaining, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know, and, and I always say, you know, it's kind of like at night when you go to bed with, and you're, going, you're at home and you go to bed at night. We all walk to the front door and make sure it's locked. Well, this is OCFA IT making sure our door is locked. Um, and this, this, is, this is our job to do. And sometimes security can be a pain. But if it's if it's what's best it's for OCFA, necessary. that's what we do. All right, so that'll be coming up in a minute or so. But before that, let's cover some news and noteworthy items. Lord knows we have a bunch uh, of material to cover. Uh, all right, I promise this is going to be the last time I talk about Best and Bravest f- with the small caveat of saying for the next nine or ten months, and then we'll do this whole thing over again. Um, this year's event was last Friday. I spoke of it probably five or six times on the podcast. And I uh, just can't tell you how uh, happy we were with the event um, at Pacific Hills Bistro, which is down in Laguna Hills. Uh, sold out crowd, 500 folks. Uh, and we even had 3,000 following on Facebook live stream, uh, which was, again, a neat enhancement that uh, our multimedia folks continue to help us with. Uh, and just cr- uh, kudos to them. All the AV sound, uh, as well as the CAP committee, their collaboration together to make this an event uh, worthy of attending was outstanding. So here's a couple quick highlights from some of the winners that night. Uh, Battalion 2, Fire Captain Chuck Hawkins won Career Firefighter of the Year. Uh, All right, we have Battalion 8, Reserve Firefighter Al Rodriguez, uh, and he won for Reserve Firefighter of the Year. And then we have Battalion 5, Explorer Brooke Healy, who won for Fire Explorer of the Year. In addition, we have Air Operations Battalion Chief Craig Covey, who won uh, Manager of the Year, Uh, obviously uh, I don't want to talk about each one, but Craig in particular, uh, man, what a busy year for air operations uh, in so many facets. Uh, IT help desk technician Perla Rodriguez uh, won the professional staff of the year, and helicopter mechanic John Wilson won the Unsung Hero Award. Additional awards include Edver, Edgar Vasquez winning the Civilian Lifesaving Award. That was uh, following a TC in Santa Ana where a car went into a drainage culvert and uh, caught on fire, and he intervened to assist the driver out. Uh, pretty moving story, standing ovation in the crowd that night. Um, really outstanding uh, uh, civilian. Uh, one of our own uh, and a former medic partner of mine, uh, our esteemed colleague and one of my close friends, Fire Captain Dave Wolf, won life-saving medal uh, for off-duty conduct where he was at a basketball game and um, was able to use the AED and lead a resuscitative effort, which literally resulted in the patient um, giving a thumbs up uh, as they're being loaded into the ambulance. So pretty amazing. Um, speaking of amazing, let's talk about Engine 78 uh, B shift crew. Captain Derek Beering, uh, shortly after he's promoted, Engineer uh, uh, Tone Nguyen and Engineer Rodrigo Jimenez and Firefighter Paramedic Jeremy Ruiz were awarded the Unit Citation uh, Award. And Jimenez and Ruiz were also awarded the Medal of Courage for the same incident. Uh, that was that amazing 
uh, first do uh, well-involved uh, home, multiple victims trapped, multiple uh, resuscitative efforts, uh, smoke inhalation victims, just an amazing incident to arrive early morning hours and uh, these guys just performed uh, heroically and really in keeping with the finest traditions of the fire service, the OCFA and, and uh, just made us so proud. We also have a special operations citation that was awarded to air operations crew uh, during the Holy Fire in Tribuco Canyon, reference uh, their airdrops, the, the low uh, fog ceiling and the multiple uh, firefighter rescues and transport to the hospital. Uh, again, pretty, uh, pretty hairy incident there. Um, speaking of unique incidents, and then we had also uh, the crew, um, the crews rather that were involved in the rescue of the 21 passengers for the Knott's Berry Farm ride uh, carousel. Uh, those members from our technical rescue team and, and the technical rescue trucks rather, just again, that training they do day in and day out to be uh, that coiled spring ready to come un, uh, unsprung for the folks that are in harm's way throughout our communities, just outstanding. And uh, I know we've talked about them a lot. Um, so I'll move on. Speaking of outstanding and part of our USAR or tech program, you have uh, the 45 task force members who were deployed to her, uh, Houston for uh, Hurricane Harvey. Um, and what a neat, um, neat st stories that have come from that um, with Chief Hoey and Sherwood leading the team down there and just uh, some amazing stories of rescues and really serving not even at the local, but the regional and national level, making our uh, making our name OCFA synonymous with professionalism and outstanding performance in uh, difficult circumstances. So uh, really uh, the, the evening in totality, just a special night. Uh, everyone uh, gathered there just to take pause, a moment to acknowledge the great work that our organization did, the individual members and their contributions over the years. So my hat's off again to the CAP committee, uh, just making it a successful event each year and just refining it and refining it to the point where it is now again, that sold out crowd, 500 folks, a neat new venue. Um, uh, we're just we're just so proud of them, along with our multimedia folk and and every really everybody who contributed to that event. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, making it uh, equally, if not more, impressive uh, next year. So thanks again to all those folks. All right, speaking of CAP committee, uh, they announced their next event. It's going to be a combination of length of service uh, promotion and promotional ceremony. It'll be held on the evening of Thursday, May 17th this year. So make sure to mark your calendars. That's always a neat opportunity to come out and uh, acknowledge those who have served in various degrees throughout our agency over time, and then also those that have either are getting promoted or were recently promoted. Uh, speaking of promotions, uh, the battalion chief candidates are finishing up their testing process as we speak. Uh, the seven that are moving forward, so we should know more. Uh, shortly after that, whoever's uh, moving forward, they'll have a panel uh, management review with Chief Young, myself, and Chief McEwen. That'll be coming up on Thursday, so more information to follow there. In addition, we have uh, the division chief process that uh, the interviews and, and what have you just went through. We had five candidates move forward, and uh, I anticipate hearing about uh, pending promotions here shortly. Additionally, we have fire captains. Uh, they're finishing up their academy as well as we speak. And then uh, uh, just continues on. We have week four of the Recruit Academy 46. Now remember, that's their 16-week academy. They're four weeks in. And I'm ecstatic to report that uh, all members that started are still with us. So kudos to the uh, training section uh, and the cadre. So really an exciting time here. And as you can hear or see, uh, a lot going on. Thursday, February 22nd, board meeting uh, we had, uh, it was dedicated solely to the fire chief recruitment process. Board Chair Ed Sachs sent out an email 
uh, the following morning with some details on what took place, and, and, I'll, and I'll just kind of read a section that I think is uh, pertinent to, to this process. And he states, and I quote, The OCFA Board of Directors completed final selection interviews for our new OCFA Fire Chief. The two finalists were both experienced and well-qualified candidates. Following the interviews, the board deliberated and selected its top candidate. Over the next few weeks, we, speaking of the chair, vice chair, and the ad hoc committee for selection of fire chief, they'll complete the remaining background checks, work to complete a formal job offer, and negotiate the fire chief's contract. At our March 15, 2018 board of directors meeting, we anticipate that a new OCFA fire chief will be appointed with a start date shortly thereafter. So, as you can imagine, uh, a lot going on up to and including the fire chief. Uh, and I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to um, you know, thank Chief McIntosh. Uh, he has been just an outstanding mentor and uh, obviously an OCFA alum who's been a great blessing uh, to myself and so many in um, stepping in in the interim uh, before our new chief is selected and seated. So speaking of that, uh, as we um, move on in March 15th, the board will indicate who the new chief is. We're likely to have a gap between the time uh, where Chief McIntosh, uh, based on California law, is not able to work past 960 hours. So he'll be cycling out and we'll have a couple week gap uh, before our new chief is selected. And that being said, uh, the board has directed that uh, Assistant Chief uh, Dave Anderson, uh, they've asked him to once again step in as the acting fire chief, uh, beginning really at the conclusion of the March 15th board meeting. So um, again, thanks to Chief McIntosh and also Chief Anderson for stepping into that gap. All right, I know that's been a, a lot of news and noteworthy items, so let's move on to the panel discussion. Uh, I know it's IT related um, and you know it's not the most exciting uh, thing for firefighters, but this is this group in our IT section, uh, they play a critical role in um, pretty much all that we do now from the technological standpoint, from receiving the call to dispatching the call, to monitoring your status, to updating your status, to uh, giving the ability to, to talk on the radio. It's just the technology that's involved in today's fire service is immense. And on a daily basis, uh, they're going above and beyond to make sure that all those moving parts and interfaces are top notch and, uh, and operating with optimal efficiency. So uh, just I can't thank the folks in IT enough. I know it's shameless in that I used to be over support services, but uh, in that time, I really learned uh, how much they, they do literally 24 seven. So uh, I know the IT world impacts everybody, so it's, it's pertinent in some regards, um, but how we as an agency um, look at things and how we're going to grow in the IT world are some things that they'll be covering. And uh, I just, I can't say enough about our IT folks. So uh, instead of me babbling on, here's Fire Captain Jim Day, part one of our IT panel discussion. All right, uh, thanks a lot. Welcome back everyone to this week's edition of the Pass Along podcast. I'm here today with some of the, our information technology experts from the OCFA. Um, first thing I want to do is introduce Joel Burdowski, who is the uh, information technology manager. That's correct, Jim. Thank you. Uh, we're glad to be here. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. You know, uh, we're kind of the geek squad here, and we do our best to meet the needs for OCFA for all the technology stuff. So we brought our A-team here. And to my left, I have Dave Johnson. He's the IT assistant manager. Dave, you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, my name is Dave Johnson. I'm the assistant IT manager over communications and support services. Um, kind of oversee all radio gear, IT gear uh, here at the OCFA. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we also have Scott Johnson, our IT supervisor. Scott, want to say something by yourself? 
Yeah, my responsibility is over the infrastructure and help desk. So everybody that works in the help desk reports to me as well as uh, infrastructure where we do, you know, wired wireless networks out to the fire stations and ECC support and so forth. So just kind of everything. All right. And we also have Perla Rodriguez, our help desk uh, IT tech superstar. Perla. Hi. Yes, my name is Perla Rodriguez, and I work at the IT help desk, um, helping all the field and administrative staff. Thanks, Perla. And who we don't have today is our GIS staff, who's also part of the IT section, as well as our applications development staff. Today, we're focusing on our user support side and our infrastructure and comms. All right. We also have Tom Hobbs here, engineer from Station 55, who is our uh, radio guru uh, for the past 25 years. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit more in depth uh, about the new radios that are going to be coming out here pretty quick. Glad to be here. All right, cool. Well, let's get right into it. Um, let's uh, take a minute to talk about um, problems with our station computers. If we have a problem with our computer, whether it's logging in, it's running slow, whatever the case might be, how do we how do we address that? Do we call we, someone? Uh, sorry. Yes, we have a couple of ways to um, address issues with the computers, logging in, accounts, um, email. Um, one of the ways that you can um, request assistance is by going straight to the Hive. There is an area there where you can click on the Help Center. Once you click on the Help Center, you can scroll down and there are several tiles that will um, assist you in picking up what you're having issues with. There's a Argos banner, doorstep CAD, there is the fleet app, there's um, OneDrive applications, computers. If you cannot get to the Hive, we do have an extension available for everybody in the field and here at RFOTC, which is extension 6430. Um, when you contact during regular business hours you will get a live technician after hours you may get voicemails in which we always return on our next business day additionally you can also email us at helpdesk at ocfa.org okay and then that phone number perla that you gave that is how's that listed on the on the station phone list that we get it's listed as um 714-573-6430 but that's under like help desk or is it what is it where does it fall in chain? Yeah, I believe it's listed on, under the help desk. Uh, and when they, when they call in, there's, there's depending on what the problem is, right, there's option one or option two. Um, so we, have, we cover both support uh, for, uh, for comm as well as IT. I think that's right. I think it's, um, yeah, on the phone list under IT and then help desk. It might even be in red. So it makes it easy for us to, to find out in the field. Okay, cool. And I know it, I know it works out there, guys, because I had a problem uh, changing my password just yesterday, and I called, and Ken Green answered right away, and he got me uh, all fixed up. So it does work. So use that if, if you need to. So if somebody gets locked out of their computer, they have a problem with the iPad, after-hour support, how do, we, how do we deal with the after-hour support on the weekend or holiday? Well, we do have paid on-call staff on weekends and holidays. And the best thing for the crew to do is to contact the ECC, and the ECC supervisor will contact that person and tell them what the problem is. All right, speaking of station computers, uh, rumor around town is that you guys are starting to replace the station computers. I know I've been in headquarters for about six months now in training, and I came from Station 39, and my computer was really slow. So I'm glad to hear that those things are going. Is that, is that, is that true, or 
Yeah, IT recognized that uh, we knew we need a new computer standard uh, and do some upgrades. Uh, so we've come up with a new OCFA standard uh, that comes with a 24-inch screen. So it's a larger screen that we currently have out on the field. Um, 32 gigs of memory, so it's a big increase in memory. And then uh, what we've done with this one is uh, we've done we've gone with solid-state hard drives. Uh, so there's no spinning disk inside the computers. Uh, the computers are uh, pretty 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 bulletproof and they're pretty small they're actually we've gotten to the point now where we're mounting the uh, computers on the back of the screens <laughs> so with with that you kind of gain a little bit of desk space you gain a little foot space at some of the stations that are tight um, but uh, they're, they're really nice computers everybody's wanting them um, and we, we are in the process of rolling out we've we're currently just completed uh, 80 computers uh, rolled out and uh, we've we finished uh, battalion one three and eight and we're just getting ready by the end, by mid February, we'll be done with uh, Battalion 2. And then from there, we're, we're moving on. There's not really a schedule that we're looking at going, hey, we need to hit this one first, mainly because all of the stations have the same model computers. Um, if, if it was different, we would go towards the older computers first. But for the most part, everybody's got the same models. So we're just trying to get through them as quick as we can, as budget allows. Um, but we've got, we've got a lot of computers to do. We've got a, about 140 left in the field that need to get completed. Yeah, but at the same time, the help desk is doing that. So they're answering phones and, 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 at the, and ha help doing the everyday tickets, but also getting out to the field to configure the new computers, which are now Windows 10, uh, latest and greatest software. So uh, we've got really good reviews from them. Okay. So are we, would it be safe to say by summer, maybe everything will be done or? Uh, yeah, it, it just depends on budget and other projects that are on IT's plate. Um, the computers that are out there are working. They're, they're definitely, you know, not as fast as the new ones. Um, so, so we are doing our best to get out there. Um, so as, as budget allows, um, I know July is a new budget year, so uh, we get a little bit more funding to be able to continue to purchase and replace. And then when we're done with the field, we'll be moving to headquarters to start doing some increases and improvements there. Okay, that was going to be my next question. So headquarters is coming after the field. Yeah, we, we, we did the field uh, first because we knew there was a need. Perfect. Okay, cool. So you mentioned a solid state drive. Are we no longer having the ability to play a DVD in the computer or is there, can we do USB sticks for our own, you know, downloading? So uploading? yes, they do have USB um, ports available. They have two in the front and they have, I believe, four in the back. So if you have media that's an all USB, we can still play that and support that. We also do have um, CD, DVD drives they are add-ons so if they're not requested just to keep it as compact as possible um, we're not by default putting them on all the machines however if somebody needs one at a station we do provide them with it they're external they plug into a usb and you can insert any type of um, dvd or cd into it and it will play perfect so if, if once they get the new computer and they determine the need that they need a dvd or cd rom drive then they just that's correct call you guys and you guys will bring it out and that's correct. And we'll plug it in and we'll set it up for you. We just had one at one station that had requested it. Other than that, we've done um, about um, three battalions and nobody's requested one. So. And we, we purposely ordered these computers without DVD CDs because we've, one, it helps decrease the cost for that for that device. And we can put some more cost towards the memory and the bigger screens. Um, but the other thing is, is we all see now that most of your software is being downloaded. So there's really not that big of a need to have a DVD, and sometimes it just creates more problems. So it's just best to try to keep it limited to what you only need. 
And DVD's the, become the floppy drive. And the <laughs> DVD being a separate item, if it fails, you can just swap it out. You don't have to take the right. whole computer back out. Right. right. So you, that's a good segue into the next question, but I want to finish up one more thing here. Um, in regards to the, some of the software on there, a lot of people like to use different browsers. Uh, Chrome, I think, Kevin, when you send out stuff for... Um, you know, for us to watch the video newsletters and whatnot, you always give up different options uh, for viewing. So is that going to still be an option there? Do we Google Chrome or Firefox or anything like that? So, yes, um, our image with the new computers all have Chrome installed. They also come with Internet Explorer. And by default, Windows 10 comes with Edge. Um, so they have three different options to use on the new computers with Windows 10, which is Edge. The icon looks exactly like Internet Explorer, which gets a little bit um, confusing. However, you're going to know if you're on Edge because Aquafers won't work. Um, and we do have Chrome. Chrome does come installed already on all of the computers by default that, um, that we are currently deploying to the field. We do advise not to set Chrome as your default browser as some of the OCFA applications will not work like Aquafers and staffing. So please keep Internet Explorer as your default browser for a better browsing experience. There's there's something here, I, I'm not sure I quite understand how it how it all works, but um, it's been brought up to me that at the stations before, that if I download something from OneDrive, it'll load onto the computer, um, but if I sign off and another firefighter in the station signs on, uh, is there a way for that firefighter to view what I've already down, downloaded? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'll, I'll take that that question. So, every profile is specific to the user, and when a file is downloaded, as long as you store it either on your desktop or under your document library, then it's protected under your profile. If you save it outside of that area, such as the C drive on the the, the root of C, or public document, pub, uh, public documents, or C temp somewhere. That's, that's a public area. People can access that no matter who logs on to that system. So as long as you keep it either on your desktop or under your document library, it's uh, profile specific. So user A logs in, saves the file to the desktop, logs out. User B logs in, their desktop is completely different. They don't see that file, nor can they access that uh, unless they're a local admin on the box, which uh, no, nobody is uh, other than the uh, desktop. Uh, so Dave, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. So... If they're using OneDrive, they can just exactly. edit the document one. from OneDrive without actually sure. downloading yeah, it on yeah. the computer. Yeah, there's, there's no benefit to download the, the file locally. You can always access it and edit everything in OneDrive. There's no need to actually download it locally uh, unless you're you know, a laptop going offline, which this isn't the case. But with that change, if I'm changing the document online, does that mess it up for someone else? Like if I was using a template or... Does that make sense? Yeah, if it's a if it's a if it's just, you're not your own OneDrive, you're downloading a, a template document, then yeah, that would be this is where you would have to bring it local and. And probably not everybody doesn't have access to that, to the ability to change some most of the documents on the Hive. I I would suspect, correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. On the Hive, it's based on permissions. But when you're talking OneDrive, uh, most of the OneDrive accounts they're all personal accounts. Right. You know, like Tom has his own account Joel has his own account okay. um, the only only reason someone else is going to have access to your OneDrive account is if you shared it with them gotcha. and when you share a file with them which is super easy to do and a lot of people don't do it um, but once they figure out how to do it it's a world of difference um, but if you give them access you can give them access just to read it and not even have access to edit the document 
So it's it's a it's a great tool. It's just going to take some time for people to get used to. Right. And we'd be glad to you know call the help desk and talk people how to how to do that. I think we have some writers on how to do that as well. Yeah, and some of the stuff Perla was talking about earlier in the hive, uh, she's done some great documentation on how to copy your files out to uh, out to OneDrive and so forth because that that's really the best place to store them. Because when you got guys that work overtime or they're visiting other stations and working, if they save their files on OneDrive, they can get to them from any station, right? right? If you save them down on the computer at the station, well, then you kind of put yourself in a bind. And now you're having to rely on using some type of external media like USB to copy that file, take it with you, put it in OneDrive. You can get to it from home or any computer that has network access. It's pretty much taking the the place of of the thumb drive. Yeah. Correct. You shouldn't really need to have those. Well, and it's very secure also. Our next discussion will be about cybersecurity. But it's also very secure. So if if for some reason your computer did get infected, something got past all of our defenses, something happened, and you're working off OneDrive, your data is safe up there. We can restore that very easily for you. And one of the benefits of OneDrive, um, sorry to just chime in here, but is it has versioning. So if you're working on a document and you delete an entire paragraph and you kind of, oh, man, how do I get that back? You can actually go back to previous versions that you did maybe the previous day or the previous hour. Um, so there, there's a lot of benefits of having your files in OneDrive because there, there's some things that can help save you a lot of time if, if thing, you know you have a long night and you delete something you don't mean to. The other thing is when you have multiple people working on a project and you want them to be able to add stuff to that project, we did it this year with uh, the radio programming. We had four guys programming. Every day we logged our programming and everybody could see where the other guy had been and what was done and what hadn't been done. And so it was just great use of it. And we just log in at the station. Our laptops were connected to the high. We just log in and you could literally see the guy typing it as he was working and you were working. So it was like, hey, I want to go faster. So it's kind of a really good multi-site, multi-use tool. Yeah, we we did that uh, recently with some of the Garden Grove uh, assessments that we've been doing. We had about 15 people connected to a document and everybody's collaborating and it was just so cool to watch a document just just come out of nowhere. Everybody took their, you know, whatever their, their subject matter expert was, they just started typing and all of a sudden this document just came out of nowhere and it's, it, it saves a lot of time. It doesn't, you have to rely on one person to do like it. Like Joel was saying, if, if you were to do that on a thumb drive, so you plug it into a computer, it's got a virus inherent in it, it loads it now onto that thumb drive. Now you take that thumb drive, you put it someplace else, it's going to go back in. So now you're spreading it. It's kind of like taking the flu to work. You know, you spread it around. and So So that's very similar to what I'm familiar with with Google Docs, right? The same type of file sharing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Guy. Very similar. Okay. It's just Microsoft's version. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Joel, you mentioned it a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about cybersecurity. Uh, there's several emails come out. Scott, you sent emails out warning about this phishing this and that phishing that and all these malware things that are coming out um what's what's causing that why are we having to change our passwords all the time now um is that just because of what's going on on the outside it's starting to affect us or have we actually been attacked um or well jim if you i was was watching the news yesterday that homeland secretary of homeland defense talking that the united states is under attack all the time on cyber (laughs) warfare and we feel that you know it's not just ocfa it's us as individuals and personally, our personal bank accounts, all of our personal information, there are, there are automated bots out there that are constantly pinging addresses, trying to find a way in, trying to find an exploit, trying to find software that has been patched. That's why a big part of Scott and Dave and Perla's time is spent making sure our virus definitions are updated, that our servers are patched, that we keep the latest versions of software running so that we can 
be protected from these exploits. And unfortunately, sometimes something does get through. We've had a few instances, very few, thankfully, where we've had isolated computers that were infected. Uh, we have had some instances where it had a bit of a more widespread effect. So we have implemented some security here. Uh, a few months back, we, we implemented a complex passwords at OCFA here. And every six months, we force users to change their passwords again, which is actually pretty generous. If you look at your bank or you look at anything, any of your online services, they actually force you much more often than that. The uh, reason we're doing complex passwords is because is we're trying to do our best to overcome these dictionary attacks or these other bots that will just go through known common passwords to try to get past you. And so that's sort of the, the very first level you can do to protect your computer, protect your information. I mentioned that we are, we're being very aggressive on our antivirus definitions. We just finished rolling out a new program called CrowdStrike, which is a, a much stronger antivirus software we have on all the PCs. Uh, we're looking at our USB drives right now because USB drives are a very common vector where people share data back and forth and it's very convenient and it's easy to share data that way, but you don't know where it's coming from. We're looking at using possibly secure uh, USB drives that, that the OCFA will purchase and they're password protected and have built-in antivirus software. So when you plug it in, it automatically scans that computer first, make sure it's not infected and it requires a password to get to the data. If we have to use USB, we'd rather employees use OneDrive and not use USB, but we understand that there is a need for that from time to time. So we're looking at all these areas of trying to strengthen OCFA's uh, network because you know we're, we're responsible for a lot of public information here, a lot of HIPAA information like that, we, and we, we have financial information, and we need to keep that safe as possible. And that leads us into the next question where uh, we're asked about uh, the splash screen that pops up now when you log into computer and says, oh, you're on a public computer, it's subject to being monitored. And that's a good reminder that we all work as public employees. Everything we do on an OCFA computer, every email we send, every report we write, every text we send on our phones, that's all public records access available. If, so, if for some reason it has to be gathered up. So we need employees to remember that, you know, uh, us in IT, we're not watching, but, you know, have some discipline and be mindful of what you do on the computers, uh, what internet sites you go to. Uh, we, we will block some of the more egregious websites with our web filter. So if, in case you, you stumble onto a link that, that sends you somewhere that's not good to go to, it'll block you for you. So we are trying to do our best to, to protect our environment here. That, that's our job. It's also a job of every OCFA employee because one of the things that as the IT staff's been raising our knowledge level, we back in October, we went through a week of um, an intensive training with computer security. We had a professional come out here and meet with our IT staff, and we did five days of training on there. And we realized the weakest link is always the human. It's always social engineering. It's always someone trying to make friends, you know, trying to get more personal information about you, just listening, you know, trying to trying to get your personal information so they can hack their way into your computer. And, you know, and it's a it's an easy crime. You know, these ransomware uh, viruses you see out there, that's all the big mob, you know, trying to get trying to exploit, extort money from us. So we're doing our best to protect the environment. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, we, we always talk about how. When you started OCFA, and it, we're such a friendly organization, right? And you, I always tell the new guys, I'm like, people are going to wave at you. You're not going to have a clue who they are. Just smile and wave back kind of thing. It's just we're a friendly. But at the same time, that could be a risk too, right, to physical security. Because um, I, I noticed all the time where you could walk up, not have any OCFA gear on, and someone's going to say hi and open the door for you to be nice and not ask where are you going, what are you doing. Um, and we need to start thinking some of that stuff because a lot of organizations out there, physical access is number one. If you can get in and you've got a malware on, on a USB, or even if you take a, a USB and you drop it around the, the campus or at a fire station, if you pick that up and throw it in your computer, potentially now they have access to your computer from anywhere in the world. 
So we got to be careful who we allow in, in the buildings. And it doesn't hurt to, to question people. Not at all. Right. So kind of going back to the pass, passwords, uh, mine just forced me to reset two days ago. And I was actually at home trying to log in. And it wasn't letting me log in. So if, if I'm off duty at home, am I just stuck until I can get back? Um, some, some. to my regular computer to where it forces me to no you can actually go to remote.ocfa.org okay. and reset your password the only downfall to that is that if you're logged into a station if you don't log off after you leave the station and your shift is over and you're still logged in with your old password it's going to try and authenticate you over and over with that password that's still <coughs> logged in so we recommend that anytime you leave a station and you are no longer using a computer to just log off because that will allow you to use the remote website a lot easier, especially when you have to reset or update your password through remote.ocfa.org. And, and, I, and I think um, that was one of our biggest struggles during this password policy was people getting locked out. Um, there, we get we get a ton of phone calls saying I'm locked out. I don't know what what's going on. And when we looked at the system, they're logged into four and five stations. And I talked with one of the guys in the field. I'm like, I don't understand why people you know log out. Well, I work in a business environment every day. I'm used to when I get up from my desk, I either lock my computer, or I log off at the end of the day. They're not. And if if you if you leave yourself logged in somewhere, you kind of put yourself in a bind because when you change your password. That those other computers you're still logged into are still logged in as you with your old password. So as, as you change your password, those other ones are still trying to authenticate to our system with your old password. You put in your password too many times, it locks you out. And then, then you're going through a process of trying to figure out, okay, where was I last? What computer was that on? Or getting IT to help look at some of our logs to see if we can figure out where you're at so we can get call the station. Hey, can you reboot the computer or log them off? So it, it does become a bind. So it, it is good for everybody to remember that when you're done using the computer, log off. Then so, that way you get someone that doesn't come up behind you and sit down and start, log, you know, they may not know you're logged in. They think it's themselves and yeah. all of a sudden they're, they're doing things under your account. Well, most of them have the, the ability, or at least our station, when you've been not been there for a little while, like you get up, you get on call and you come back and the computer's locked. You have to re-log in. You're still logged on, but it won't let you access. So at least you've eliminated the fact somebody coming sitting down unless they were then the was it five minutes or whatever? yeah yeah and, and and there's a difference between logging off and a computer being locked when the computer is sure. locked you're still actually logged into the system oh, so okay. so just because it's locked it's protected somebody else coming in behind right you know but yeah but, no but you're there's, still there's, there's usually a grace period yes. you know that it takes before it locks on its own and, and that depends on the power we settings. do get those calls frequently um so the difference between logging off and locking your computer is if you're pressing control alt delete that's going to lock your computer so even if you're gone for three four days no one can access your data because they don't know your password but you're still physically logged into the computer your profile is still running services on the background so to log off your computer you want to hit the start button and then you're going to have the option to log off make sure you log it off another option is also to hit restart and that will automatically log you off as well so as long as the computer gets rebooted it, it, or somebody yeah, comes yeah. down and switches user. No, if they switch user, you're still logged on. Still yes, logged on. if oh, you switch user. So now user, there's two people logged on. Right? Yes, mm -hmm. now there's two people. And if yeah. a Does third person comes. Does that slow down the computer? Yes, yeah, it slows it down drastically. Computers, multiple users on one system. 
on one one yeah, desktop because because resources. Yeah, because you, you could be logged in with Outlook running in the background and everything else. You you lock, I come in, and I log on as myself. Well, so that may both... that may be an issue at some of these stations where you've got six or seven people. Somebody comes in and just hit switch user. That's correct. Right. That's probably what's happening. That's a common a issue as well. Um, and restarting your computer when you start your shift is also a good practice to have a better computer experience overall because anybody that's logged in will get logged off if their shift is gone yeah, so or no longer there. That's going to get a password reset. Well, yeah, but like I say, the, 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 I didn't realize that that was the case. As far as I thought when you switched users, it logged the other person off and... No, it will keep them logged in and also log you in and then log the next person that selects that option. Is there a way to do that so you could, when you switch users, it logs the other person off? Because that would... That no, would sh- I, don't, I don't think you necessarily want it, right? I mean, if, if, I'm, if, I'm, in the, if I'm in the system mm-hmm. and let's say I'm an engineer and I'm going to go check the engine and yeah. I lock my... I lock, I'm working on something. Maybe I've got a YouTube video on how to do something or whatever. I don't let anybody else use my computer, right, but right. at other stations, yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but I mean, if, mine, if mine. you lock that computer and you go to do something and you expect to come back in, you wouldn't want to relaunch all the applications you're using. True. You'd want those things open. So you wouldn't want to you know, allow you, you to force them off. You could have somebody unsaved data. I get that, but... After a day, you know, like a new shift comes on, it's up to those guys. Right. They should have yeah. logged off. Yeah. And that's why Perlo is saying right. if yeah. you start off your day rebooting the computer, then you're logging them off. You're logging them off and you're kind of a fresh start, right? There you go. Um, but like, like Kevin Bay was saying, you know, he got, he got requested to change his password. I, I think it's good for everybody to, to understand that you don't have to wait to be told to change your password by the system. You, you can do it whenever yeah. you feel, you know, if you feel your time's coming, get ahead of start and do it yourself. And another way to have a successful password change through remote.ocfa.org is by always remembering it has to be 10 characters long, uppercase, lowercase, a number, a symbol can be part of your first name or last name or the last 10 passwords you've used. I'm sure everybody just wrote that down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that last one's the hardest part one because you use about five or six passwords and you just keep rotating them and... Mm -hmm. That's going to be the difficult hurdle for the firefighters. Yeah, but we, we all do it at home, right? I mean, if you're banking at home, they've got some stronger than, than what we're running. So we're, we're, we're used to it. it it's, it's kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of people are kind of first complaining, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know, and, and I always say, you know, it's kind of like at night when you go to bed with, and you're, going, you're at home and you go to bed at night. We all walk to the front door and make sure it's locked. Well, this is OCFA IT making sure our door is locked. Absolutely. Um, and this, this, is, this is our job to do. And sometimes security can be a pain. But if it's if it's what's best it's for OCFA, necessary. that's what we do. So necessary. Yeah. Okay, so we're coming up on a half hour now uh, on this particular episode. Why don't we take a break, um, and we'll resume with our next episode, and we'll talk more about uh, the Internet speeds at the station and the new 800 radios that are um, getting ready to come out. And we'll see you back uh, next week for part two. All right, thanks, uh, Jim, for taking the time to talk IT folks, uh, with our IT folks, rather. It, like I said before, a lot of good information there. And like Jim said, the, the next episode will focus on the internet speed at the station as well as the new radios, which is obviously near and dear to our hearts and operations. And then in the coming months, we'll also feature exit interviews with Chief McIntosh, uh, Chief Cruz, and Chief Stefan. Uh, what a wealth of information and knowledge and experience for these guys. We're so happy for them to move on in this next chapter of their life. Uh, but uh, we also simultaneously mourn um, their retirement and that they're just outstanding human beings, outstanding leaders, friends, chief officers, and have been uh, quite a blessing for the citizens of Orange County that we serve and all the staff here, both professional and sworn. 
that work with them um, over the years of the OCFA. So I uh, just uh, want to give them, uh, encourage them in the, in the best light possible and uh, say thanks to them. But be sure to keep an eye out uh, for the upcoming uh, podcast. And until then, let's continue to watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon.